Looking at the best things to do in London and beyond? From food to fitness, bars to going out, this is the AT, the About Time Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the AT Show. Hello. Why are you being weird? Sorry, I was just adjusting my mic. You look like a dinosaur. <laughs> like a pterodactyl. Um, this week we are talking all things women because we're doing a special International Women's Day episode. Talking females, female power, female entrepreneurship, dating, boobs. <laughs> I was going to say tits, but well, stole, it comes later. It's still on the show. There is tits. Sorry. Turn off now if you're not interested. Um, so, where are we starting? I think we should start with the women we love. Okay. Who do you, who do you look up Mi to? Mum. Mi mum. Mi mum. Actually, I am from a very strong female bloodline. My granny, my mum, they are strong women. Yeah. They are women that know their minds. Granny. How old is your granny? My granny's 92 and she is a, she's a battle axe. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, and she's honestly one of the, the least, scared of people person i've ever met she just says it like it is my granny doesn't like herbs she goes to a restaurant she says we'll go to a french restaurant or an italian you know famous for that sort of herb dishes say i'll get this one but no herbs it's like you go you literally she'll go to like somewhere that's doing a kind of basil pesto thing she'll never want it no they're like so what do you want she's like plain she knows her mind and i think that's that's kind of where i got it from that's i think that's kind of partly why i want to start my own business because i just i knew my mind i knew i didn't want to work for anyone being like on a nine-to-five schedule i just wanted to be my own boss yeah granny was like go for it she doesn't understand what i do though granny no do you remember when you took her to the delicious deli and she didn't get the whole like non-dairy thing she was like i'll get a coffee and they're like we only have uh only have oat milk or brown rice milk she was like i won't get a coffee Who do you look up to, Alicia? I like my mum. Yeah? I like my mum. Um, she's very Grimsby. <laughs> she's never had Vietnamese gels. <laughs> you know, I'll go, oh, I'm having dim sum tonight. She's like, I honestly don't know what dim sum is. I mean, you know, the, the variation in cuisines in Grimsby is... What's the most exciting cuisine you have in Grimsby? Chinese. Really? Indian. Fish and chips. So you've not got any sort of Nordic-inspired French in Grimsby? Ah, uh, no. Do you remember, do you remember when we... Oh, so just we went to this dinner party for a restaurant and uh, they were doing a Nordic French menu. It was very weird food. And we were like, so, you know, what's Nordic French? And they were like, you know, Nordic French. I was thinking to myself, I actually don't know what Nordic French is. It that was like, like an it open was like raw swordfish. Yeah, yeah very odd. <laughs> so that's a bit, you, you, you get on well with your mum. I do. Actually, when I was a teenager, I didn't. I really didn't. What changed? We were very fiery. Yeah. I'm a t- I mean, I don't, you know, people, horoscopes, yes. But she, my mum has a split personality. She's a Gemini. She can go off the wall, naught to 16, like a second. And we used to just butt heads so much. And then you grow up and then you mature. And then you're like, actually, my mum's like really cool. And actually, like, we get on. We get we're on. really open. I'm very open with my mum about I'm stuff. very open with my mum. And I think that's really, like, I think that's really healthy, you know, to call her up and be like, oh, this guy's a dick, mum. <laughs> she's like, oh, all my mum says. And I'm like, yeah, I went on a bad date. She's like, you just got to kiss a couple of frogs, Alicia. <laughs> I'm like, okay, die. You did get mine when you were 19, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing a bit more of that, kissing the frogs. Joe Highlove, Joe Brand, putting it out there. We were listening to the she's Guilty. Great. She's so great. We were listening to the Guilty Feminist podcast in the office today. The episode with Joe Brand. 
She's so funny. I just love her because she just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. She's very, she t- tells a story about how she was heckled in the street by some guys in a van and they were awful to her and they were sort of swearing and, uh, you know, just saying she has to tits love and she just whipped, uh, she just ripped their windscreen wipers off. That's Joe Brand for you. That's why I love her. Joe, you know I also love Deliciella. We did an event with Deliciella, Ella She's Mills. Cool. She's cool. Ella Mills last week. We did an event all about how she built the brand and how she, um, kind of got her social following and, built it to this amazing thing that it is now and she was so real and honest and like humble and i don't know you kind of have an impression of people through social media and ella was so raw with with what she was telling us about the highs and the lows and she's amazing i think that's what i think that's what surprised both of us really is that she came and i think a lot of people thought it was all going to be hearts and flowers and you know cheersy pudding yeah and actually it's like you know what this is really hard and actually at times like quite lonely mm. and I think it was good to kind of shine a spotlight on starting a business but it's not you know social media is just a snapshot of reality it's not it's not real and her saying how you know how the company had struggled and there were times that they didn't think it was all gonna work out and they were in the red those aren't things that you necessarily expect with what you see on this amazing shiny Instagram platform yeah so uh, yeah I loved her humility and I mean, that was Daniel. part of our bigger campaign, mm. our About Tomorrow campaign, which celebrates uh, female entrepreneurs, business owners. It's been amazing. I feel like we've met women from all walks of life and just there's so many different ways to start a company and meeting all the women that we have. It's, it's been so eye-opening. It's made me want to start like a million different businesses. I really want to start something. <laughs> I know, but we already have something. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I do want to do like a cafe. You want to do a cafe? Like a toast bar. <laughs> but everything's on toast so what if what are some of the key takeaways that you've learned from the about tomorrow campaign um i think when you're first starting out and money is maybe not you know free-flowing mm. you've got to learn to do things on a budget um so we had a uh, the founder of native come on the show and she was saying about how they they kitted out the whole restaurant and it was kind of you know mishmash of trestle tables and, and things they got from gumtree yeah but you know, I don't think you, if you have an idea and you really believe in it, it's not all about the money. Mm. Yeah, I think the kind of stripped back side of business that we see companies um, that are really successful and you kind of think it was always that way. And hearing the early days of of female founders of companies and what it was actually like, it's quite gritty and like the hustle of it is not very glamorous at all. We had um, we had Pip, who's co-founder of Frame Gyms, amazing gyms all over London, you know, King's Cross and Shoreditch and Queen's Park. And they're really successful, really popular now. But she was saying when they first launched, it was just two of them and one of them would be on the front desk from six till lunchtime the other one would be teaching classes and then at one o'clock they would swap over and that was what it was like all day long from six in the morning she was folding towels being on the front desk and actually the side of it that's just very very unglamorous but what it takes and that's the thing with um olivia behind olivia's kitchen when she first started out she was making crumbles in her kitchen Mm. you know and and when people start food products they're on the you know factory lines like you know putting yogurts together sending them off and that i think that's really inspiring definitely and now you see it in planet organic and it's also shiny but actually she was in her parents kitchen wrapping those crumbles oh my parents would kill me if i'd done that absolutely also i think my mom would eat all the crumble i'd have no approach be eating all the produce <laughs> susie Menon does love a crumble she does um we've we've been looking at a few stats today about um, about women in business and women in the workplace for International Women's Day. To be honest, they're, they're quite depressing. 
Um, yeah, I know. And we yeah. should pick some more positive stats to discuss. But um, we were sent through some information today um, on the economic cost of discrimination to the UK economy. And apparently it costs us 127 billion a year. And 123 billion of that is due to gender discrimination. So basically, we have to work much harder at not discriminating women in the workplace, equal pay, all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, good. They also said that the UK's most diverse workplaces across gender, ethnicity and sexual orientation are 12 percentage points more likely to financially outperform their industry average than than least diverse firms. So basically, like diversity, it pays to be diverse and it's it's better for everyone. I think so. Yeah. But I have nothing to go on <laughs> other than these stats. Yeah, and other than it's just us two in the office. <laughs> but I, do you know we're not hugely like, diverse because we're like just that. two females and a cactus. <laughs> sunny. Does, does Sunny like change our, our diversity? Not really. No. Oh, it does need a water. <laughs> yes. We can't, we can't, we, you know, we can't kill a cactus shells, can we? The thing is, people say like, oh, feminism has come so far and we don't need feminism anymore. But there's so many, there's so much out there that shows that we do. Like that the pay gap is still a real problem. And on average, globally, like a woman has paid $100 for every $140 that a man earns. Like that's not okay. Because mm. we're fucking sassy. I think there's still, I think things are changing, but we've still got. I think it's also about encouragement. I don't think women are encouraged as much to go in to some of the more high earning um, careers and also into their own businesses. I don't think the culture of entrepreneurship is there yet for women. No, yeah, I agree. But if you want to get inspired and want to change some of these stats, there is a lot of International Women's Day events coming up this week. International Women's Day. So many. Well, the first one, which is quite cool, is Gaucho Restaurants, delicious. Meaty deliciousness. Meaty deliciousness. Argentinian-inspired steak restaurants um, are doing a whole week um, of celebrations. Sorry, a whole month of celebrations. And it's starting with a Women in Hospitality lunch on the 8th of March, uh, where you can hear about kind of making it in hospitality. And then they've just got all kinds of different ones. They've got a whiskey and chocolate masterclass. That's fun. And they've got women in cognac. And they've got... Women in finance. (laughs) Secrets of thriving in the corporate world. Ooh. All those things. So if you'd like to find out more about those, go on to Gaucho's website and you can book. I think they start at like £30 and it includes lunch and all that kind of stuff. What else is happening? Well, there is a really good brunch happening at the Devonshire Club on Thursday the 8th of March. Um, there's a panel talk and there'll be delicious egg-based dishes <laughs> and lots of, you know, female chat. Yeah, the, way, the theme this year, year is Press for Progress. So that is what they'll be discussing, how how we can press for progress. If you're into arts, UN Women He For She Arts Week is also happening from the 9th of March. And it's just all different art exhibitions around London, um, all celebrating women and female leaders. That's cool. Uh, Also, ladies of restaurants are popping up at Old Spitalfields Market on the 8th of March um, for a special International Women's Day event. And they're doing it over the whole day. Um, there's open discussions on battling sex, sexism and sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, very on topic at the moment. And there's also, um, talks about advice from women climbing up the salary ladder, common pitfalls. Um, there's, there's a party. Also an, an after party at Blixen. <sighs> if nothing there. else, just go for the after party. <laughs> so many cool things happening. And also if you just go on Eventbrite and type in International Women's Day, there's a whole lot of cool stuff happening in London. Yeah, there is. What are we going to be doing? I'm going to Switzerland. What are you doing? Are you? Yeah. Oh. I'll just I'll be celebrating in Switzerland. My mum's coming down. Oh, there you go. You can take her for tea. How yeah. lovely. Yeah, she's coming down. She's like, oh, Alicia. What does being a woman mean to you, Alicia? Ooh. I'm very proud to be a woman. Why? 
I think that we've achieved so much, you know, you know, a hundred years ago, suffragettes, we, we marked that and that was great. And I just love being a woman. Do you? Yeah. I love being a woman. I like it. I like doing the unexpected as a woman. And I think that. No, not in a weird way, but in a like, you know, people don't expect, people don't expect you always to run your own business. People don't expect you to, to drink them under a table. Unless you yes. can drink a man under a table any day. Yes, I can. And I can eat that steak. <laughs> yeah, you can eat that steak. And don't you worry. <laughs> if someone tells her that she can't eat, like finish a steak, then she has to order it. Yeah, <laughs> it almost becomes a bit of a challenge. And I'm okay, and do you know what? I'm okay with that. I, love that. I like that. Well, on the show today, um, we have some amazing women. So we've got Nita Patel, who is the CEO of the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. And she's going to be telling us all about that and your personal favorite person <laughs> in the world and your personal hero. Hilary Rowland, founder of Boom Cycle. Who you're like basically obsessed with. Um, yeah, we were having a great chat before the show. I was giving her some brownies. I mean, I was not like force feeding her brownies, but there was some definite shoving of the brownies. Um, and she's talking all about starting your own business, advice to entrepreneurs, spinning. Who knows? I might actually, you know, become a spin instructor. Well, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, probably so, not. So stay with us, guys. This is the AT, the About Time podcast. And now, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode of The 80 is kindly sponsored by Kind Snacks. If you haven't tried them before, these seriously tasty snacks feature delicious, high-quality ingredients and are rich with wholesome, nutty goodness. Each is made with real fruit ingredients, such as whole nuts and fruits, which are bound together in honey for a delicious and nutritious result. They're also packed with protein, fiber, and heart-healthy fats, plus which will keep you full for longer. Kind contains lower levels of total sugar compared to similar snacks you'll find in the supermarkets. You can take your pick from eight bars in the range, which includes amazing favourites such as dark chocolate, nuts and sea salt, on-trend pairings like the almond coconut, and my personal favourite, Madagascan villain almond. We're with Hilary Rowland, founder of Boom Cycle. How are you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Are you enjoying your wine? Oh yes, we've had, we've had, we were eating wine and brownies. We're, we're drinking. <laughs> well, we're drinking wine and we're eating brownies. Um, how are you doing? What is new? Talk to us. Oh gosh. Well, we've just uh, about a month ago had our latest Boom Cycle Studio opening in Boom Cycle Monument or in Monument. Sorry, everything is about Boom Cycle for me. Uh, <laughs> in uh, in Monument, and that's going well. Um, just getting ready for uh, some panel talks coming up. For International Women's Week, mm. there you go. Yeah. And the Boom Cycle Monument, which how which number site is that? That's number four. Technically, it's the fifth one we've opened, but we got that one to replace Shortage mm. because Shortage no longer represented our brand and where we were going. So we switched it up and um, and purchased uh, this business. It used to be Cycle Beat, and then we um, rebranded and relaunched as Boom Cycle in January. Amazing. Why does Shoreditch no longer represent Boom Cycle? Well, because, first of all, it's a lot smaller than all of our other sites, and the investment that it would have required to bring it up to scratch uh, would have been quite near enough to what we would spend on a new location. And um, and if it's still going to be a shared entrance and it's not going to be the size that we need, it just didn't make sense to put that kind of money into a site that wasn't going to be perfect. Mm. 
So tell us a little bit more about Boom Cycle. How did the idea first come about? Well, uh, Boom Cycle first came about because um, I used to spin in the States quite a bit. And when I first moved here in 2004, there wasn't a lot on offer as far as spin classes went. Uh, there were a few good ones at a couple gyms, but then I had to like have a million gym memberships just so I can get some decent spinning and that got quite expensive. Uh, so I decided I really wanted a spin studio for me. Now at that time, I was still in my previous career. And then uh, a few years later, when I met my now husband and business partner, Robert Rowland, um, I decided it was time to stop traveling so much and maybe look at doing uh, the second career uh, for me. So that's what it was. We decided to open Boom Cycle. Was was he into spinning? He was not into spinning, no. <laughs> he actually used to work in the alcohol industry. Mm. So, ah. yeah. But he, he's entrepreneurial and he just wanted to run with the business. He exactly. Idea. Well, he was he was working on his own business idea at the time and I was working on this idea. Uh, and then we decided that we'd probably never see each other if we both did our own businesses and we wanted to stay together and, you know, keep the relationship working. Um, and then in addition, that year as well, I believe SoulCycle sold a portion of their equity to Equinox in the States for $50 million. And we decided, hey, this might be a, a good little project. Mm-hmm. And here you are. Here we are. <laughs> is, it, is it fun working together? Oh, it's super fun. I mean, even before we were working together on Boom Cycle, he would come with me when I would go on shoots or, you know, fly to wherever, as long as it was okay that my boyfriend came, um, then he would fly with me. And then when he would like, for instance, throw parties at Miami Music Conference, I would fly with him. So we would always find a way to be around each other anyway. Mm. Is it, it, it must be challenging though. It must be hard not to talk about work the whole time. It is challenging. And, and even on nights when we're like, okay, so we're not going to talk about work. Then we'll have a couple of drinks and then we're right back at talking about work. But it's kind of fun <laughs> yeah. as well. And like sometimes we can say like, look, I just really can't right now. It's just too much. I need a break. That's fine. So we don't talk about work for that amount of time, but we really love what we do. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of fun to talk about it. <laughs> what challenges did you face when you first started out? Uh, the main challenge would be that I had never run a business before. I had never done anything similar. I am like, I've never worked in the fitness industry, um, ever before. So all of it was brand new and that was super challenging. Um, we also, I mean, we started <clears throat> our first like fit out costed, God, about a fifth of what we're doing now. We built a lot of that site ourselves. I got power tool injuries. Um, I learned how to lay bricks, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah, there are many, many, many challenges. <laughs> and it's, it's incredible to just start, you know, start out in an industry that you don't know. And it's, it's a really brave choice, but I suppose you can just land on the job and you can just go through the experience. And Exactly. Especially when you put all of your uh, money into it as well. And then you're like, Oh, high stakes, better make it work. <laughs> yeah. You gotta pay my rent. Yeah. <laughs> kind of have to make it work, don't you? Yep. For, um, for people looking to start their own ventures, what, what advice would you give kind of pre-launch like you've got an idea for something how do you kind of go about getting into action well i think one of the number one most important things is to nail down exactly why your business exists um what are you offering what is what are the the messages and the ethos behind it because you're going to have to go back to that so many different times um just to to guide your way through a lot of the challenges that you'll never foresee when you're first starting out. So just to know exactly what you stand for mm. um, and the identity of the brand and have it nailed down. Mm. How have you kind of scaled the business and what did that process look like from going from like the first site? How did you kind of launch it and, and, and make it bigger? Well, after doing one, um, <laughs> uh, after, after opening 
our first one about a month later, I, I told you guys the story about tomorrow. Yeah. That wonderful event that we did last week. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were open for a month and then our main investors lost their backing. Um, so they had to call in the administrators and we had to buy back our equity and we had to let go of all of our front of house staff and then work ourselves to build it back up to where we could be in a position to hire people back on, which we did. Um, so that was sort of like a long grueling process, but it also made us do every role in the business between us. Uh, so we knew exactly how everything worked. Like I can tell you, um, about how to take the, the hair catcher things from the shower drains. And I mean, like all kinds of weird stuff like this. I know how to do bike maintenance. Um, you know, I know how I'm the head of sound at boom cycle. So I know everything about the sound systems and all the different levels and balancing. Um, so that was kind of, it was good. It was hard. But then what we did is, um, once we got into a good position and we were well received through the press and through the public, then we went out and pitched again to get investment again to open the second one, um, which went really well. Thank goodness. I think the, the fact that, uh, the, the big deal that went on in the States that I mentioned about soul cycle selling a portion of its equity for 50 million, um, was getting in, people interested on this side of the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it made it a bit easier to raise money at that time for this kind of business. Plus we were, we were the first to do it, which was, which was good and it was bad. Um, but also for being first to market is always really valuable. Um, so then from there, we took a couple years to build up our second site. Um, and then we did our latest raise, gosh, I want to say a year ago. And now we've opened three more. Wow. Yeah. Here you are. Here we was, are. Was that, was it easier doing the next kind of raises? It, uh, I think you, it is easier in a way because you can show that you have had growth mm. and you're obviously better at your business. So you're going to be more confident when you pitch. Um, and also experience goes a long way. I think it's going to be a lot easier for us the more we open, the more experience we have um, anytime we go out. Because when you were first pitching, you must have gone in there and it was quite scary because you're pitching really an idea. It's nothing nothing to show for it so far. Oh, I was like, I was super scared. I was totally out of my depth. I had no idea if I was doing it right. I probably, I was probably quite shy, which I never am. Um, Just sort of like, like like passing over the the spreadsheets and be like, so this is the idea instead of like, you know, now you're in a pitch and you're like so excited and you've got your video of all the things you've done and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When you first started and you first opened your first site, how did you get people in? But how did you get the word out? Well, we did hire a PR company, um, not the same PR company we're working with now. So they did um, get some events down. I think our first press night, we had 27 people in and I was so impressed. I was like, oh my God, we have 27 people. It was so crazy. Um, and other than that, it was literally just word of mouth. And um, I think it really helped our advantage uh, because we were the only people to do it for a while that people would travel far and wide because they're like, oh, I heard about this. Because back then as well, it was like concrete floors. We didn't even have any rubber flooring or anything. It was just like Rob and I and just a sound system. We would just crank up the volume. And like it was like a rave in there. It was nuts. Um, so I think that, that that helped it being the first of its kind. And also just it was super shortage in shortage at the time when shortage was cool. <laughs> and now it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, that whole boutique fitness scene has just taken off so taken off so much, hasn't it? It's yeah. become such a social activity. You know, my friends on the weekend, it's you'll do a class and then you'll go out for brunch. And you make and it it never used to be like that. Workouts weren't these kind of cool sociable things to do. 
Absolutely. So yeah, we focused on making this, um, something you do for fun. Like that's one of our like main ethos is, uh, is just to make it a good time. Something you want to do with your friends, something you want to do for enjoyment, something that you know, if you go and do, you're going to feel so good and so happy after. But then how, how do you change it and constantly like keep the brand fresh? I know because you have a kind of staple of spin, but how can you kind of change it within that? Well, I believe, um, that we actually don't want to change it too much. We need to stay true to our ethos and the workout needs to, um, remain effective, but also what we really do is provide escapism. So I feel like that's always going to be needed Mm. and to stay, to stay current, really, you can just change the music, which will always change with time anyway. Yeah, definitely. We've been to a boom cycle class. It was very fun. It's hardcore. It's like proper workout. It's very sweaty. I loved it. You do feel amazing afterwards. Got those endorphins going. It's like you're taking drugs. Yeah, but you don't have hangover and it's much cheaper. (laughs) Cheaper than drugs. Cheaper than Vegas. (laughs) Um, You teamed up with Copperfield recently. Yes. For your tits and lasers class. Yep. Are you doing any more events? Oh. I, sorry that everyone's looking at me like that. I said tits, but there's a reason why you did the tits and yes. lasers class. We did Please the explain. tits and lasers ride. Um, well, gosh, well, there's a couple of reasons actually. Um, the, the most important reason is that we have uh, a really wonderful partnership with Copperfield that we're doing throughout the entire year of 2018. We are going to do quarterly tits and lasers rides, um, where everyone brings their boobs. Um, you don't have to get them out or anything. We just bring them. Uh, and then we wait. Actually, you to bring your boobs. Yeah, we just you know. Okay. Bring them they come with me. I mean, there's yeah. not much I can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're uh, going. I come. <laughs> and then we do bring a laser in, which is actually it sounds cheesy, but it's actually awesome. That's so cool. It's so cool. Um, and then all of the the money goes to Copperfield Charity, which is cool. And we get partners in to to bring. I, th- I think we provide pink champagne and. Or Prosecco, I should say. It's probably not champagne. But anyway, it's still fun. And Bubbles. Snacks. <laughs> snacks, of course. <laughs> snacks are always... Sounds like a great... And so when, when's the next one of those? Uh, the next one of those is... When do we do this? January. So it's going to be March, I believe. Oh, Soon. Awesome. Yeah. Gosh. That's true. Is it probably the end of March, early April, actually? End of March, early April. But still. We'll be there with our boobs. Yeah. They'll be coming. Boobs are great. <laughs> <laughs> what... <laughs> What advice would you give to people that are looking to maybe start something? Uh, gosh, well, I would say number one, know why you exist, who you are, what you want to achieve. Um, and then I will say is that I think I probably would have had an easier time had I gone and worked at least at a gym first. Mm. I mean, that probably would have made it a little less uncomfortable learning all these lessons. Um, but hey, also maybe I would have been skewed and I wouldn't think in the same way. So whatever it is, just get started. Don't wait for any perfect moment as well. Go in, go in hard, like, and make it, make it happen. Sound advice. I sorry, I got a bit lost in that. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to just meant to be on a show have some wine <laughs> have some wine and a brownie um, if people would like to find out more and to book a boom cycle where can they find you on social and all that stuff oh yes so definitely at boomcycle.co.uk we're on instagram as well um as boom cycle and we're on twitter i believe is boom underscore cycle and i think facebook is just boom cycle as well but we're also on spotify too so if you want some cool tunes you can follow us we got loads of playlists up Wow, we can spin studio in here. 
You know? Bikes beats boom. Bikes beats boom. And boobs now as well. And it boobs. was bikes beats boobs for the charity thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks for having me. From food to fitness, bars to going out, this is the AT. The About Time Podcast. And here's this week's News in Brief. Following the surge in London's huge appetite for all things vegan, the UK's first vegan doner kebab stall, What the Pitta, is announcing that it's going to open a third site uh, in Camden on Friday the 9th of March. If you haven't tried their vegan doner kebab, I would highly recommend it. It comes with homemade hummus, tzatziki, fresh salad and homemade flatbreads. It's really quite something and for one weekend only on the 10th and 11th of march 10 greek street will welcome a really renowned indonesian chef um from a restaurant in bali that i can't pronounce uh he's doing a special residency um a special one-off four-course menu uh it's 30 quid per person go on 10 greek street's website for all the deets and menu and Raw Wine Week is back, kicking off on the 7th of March. Uh, it's a, it's a week long, um, exciting wine events featuring growers and wines. Um, everything from Bourbon Q, Sage and Wilder, Frenchie, the Marksman, Typing Room, loads of pubs, bars, clubs in London getting involved. Um, so go on Raw Wine Week's website for all the deets. And that was this week's News in Brief. Welcome back, guys. As part of our special International Women's Day podcast, we're talking all things female entrepreneurship today, and we're very lucky to have Nita Patel in our studio slash my living room um, (laughs) to talk about the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. Um, Nita, can you tell us a little bit about the foundation? Yes, of course. Firstly, thank you very much for having me. Um, looking very much looking forward to this uh, podcast. So uh, I'm the chief executive of the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which is the UK's leading uh, organization that develops young aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, we are also the home of an entrepreneurship think tank called the Center for Entrepreneurs that publishes research uh, into areas of entrepreneurship in the UK, uh, creates communities around entrepreneurship and seeks to inform government policy on entrepreneurship. So wow. we do quite a lot of things. Sounds like busy work. How yeah. did you first get into this field? Uh, well, I've been in entrepreneurship for quite some time. Um, I've, I've kind of worked in uh, big corporates for most of my career, which is 30 odd years. Um, and in all of those organizations, I, I always felt I was kind of the entrepreneur and as we call them intrapreneurs now. Um, I started my own business or I tried to start my own business about 10 years ago and it failed. Um, I then moved into private equity, helping other entrepreneurs raise money. And I joined the New Entrepreneurs Foundation six years ago. I never looked back. What was the business that you were, you were hoping to run before you? It was a, it was a fintech business, um, personal finance, making personal finance easier for the millennial generation who, uh, are not going to ring professional advisors, who are not going to pay fees, are much more digitally savvy, prefer to do things as much as you can online, even get your advice online. Um, but we were too, uh, we were, too far advanced in our thinking. It was 2009. The market had just crashed the year before. And um, I don't think the country was ready for 
of mm. that kind of business. Mm. And was it was it partly that experience of launching your own venture and then it not working out that kind of inspired you to help others? With um, partly, yes, absolutely. Um, but also, you know, having been in large corporates, launching new ventures within corporates um, really gave me a taste for how you can how you can uh, get things to work and, you know, what, what things might fail. Um, helping other people has been something I've been doing for a long time. I've been mentoring uh, people. I, I mentor startups at London Business School, uh, in addition to the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. Um, but certainly starting and failing at my own business was a salutary lesson. I learned mm. a lot. Mm. Definitely. What do you, I mean, it, it's hard to say because you must see so many business day to day. So I don't want to kind of gloss over all the different things that they do, but what kind of common failings do you see with um, kind of new businesses and startups mm-hmm. that you see as a, like a common problem? Um, the one common problem that I see always, always, and this may sound slightly facetious, is um, first time entrepreneurs don't keep an eye on the cash. Mm. And businesses fail because they run out of money. Um, so you'll, you'll see an entrepreneur raising the first round of money. They get excited, uh, start spending it and not keeping an eye on the cash. It's, it's the same for all of us with our own money. If you haven't, you know, you run out of cash halfway through the month, then you haven't got any. You can't actually buy anything. Um, that's one, not keeping an eye on the cash. Um, second thing, uh, is a, a conflict between founders, between co-founders. Uh, mm. I see very prevalent, especially in very young entrepreneurs who generally will start a business with a friend of theirs, somebody they know really well. Um, as friends, they're great, but, you know, working in a business brings out uh, aspects of your friend's character that you perhaps don't like so much. So co-founder conflict. And the third thing um, is, uh, well, the business idea doesn't have any legs. Mm. You know, uh, it, it, it's a great idea in, in the minds of the founders, but it, it doesn't have a business case. It can't really sell. Mm. And that's, the, that's the, those are the three reasons. Yeah. But the first, the running out of cash is a hundred times. It's And especially when it's investor money, I feel like often I see the way startups spend when it's other people's money yeah. is quite different. And I think when you do it on a, on a, yeah, on a shoestring <coughs> and you, you do it on your own, you're a yeah. lot more careful of what's worth it. Exactly. Um, I think for us, like never having taken investment, it was just building slowly and, and doing it that way. It was also, we were always very careful about what we were spending. I on. think it's more of a hustle. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot more, which I, hustle. which I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> And and you are keeping an eye on that pound in your pocket. Yeah, absolutely. It's yours. Yeah, I suppose you know? so. Yeah. Occasionally, although we do like a nice takeaway coffee, I'm not sure. <laughs> not so good with the... Yeah. But yeah, it's true. I mean, the bigger things, like taking on agencies, that was never an option. So I suppose just doing what you can on your own. Right. Take off what you can get with it. I, I, was, I would say that... Yeah, Photoshop um, skills. Just yeah. using YouTube, just being like, how can I Photoshop things on well, my it's, own? I've you know, all, all the skills you have, bringing in people you know... Um, it, it, it's it, you, starting your business and bootstrapping it is the best way to start a business. Mm. I was I would say to people that I mentor, um, don't go looking for money too soon. Um, bootstrap it to the point where you simply can't anymore, or you really need to get some cash in. Um, having a business that generates cash from day one is the best business you can get, and ideally, um, to build a business without ever borrowing any money or raising any money is the best business to build. Mm. You own all of it. Yeah. You won't true. sleep. <laughs> you may not, but you will not going to sleep the, anyway. I think that's the joy of it. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs sleep? Sleeps for the week. Yeah. yeah. Just have coffee. I think also bootstrapping it um, in the early days is, is a really good way to 
test proof concept exactly. because if you run in with those investor money and you've got all these ideas you often don't know and i think it, yeah. it you can find your feet better if you're kind of doing it on a budget i think it's very easy to become reliant on investor money as well yeah i think we would have gone crazy with investor money <laughs> having champagne baths <laughs> how long how, how long have it did four, you years. Start? four years four years but to, if i'm if i'm in the interest of all total honesty i don't think we made any money for the first year really um i was on my own for the first year alicia has been with me three years mm-hmm. um i think year one i was just eating porridge for every meal and we really weren't making any money but to be honest it was a business that i didn't know how it monetized and that's the challenging thing with something digital mm-hmm. is that really nobody knows mm-hmm. and it's how you carve it out and what direction you choose to take it in mm-hmm. but there are so many options with an online magazine mm-hmm. and you have to kind of explore avenues that do monetize and the ones that don't mm-hmm. um so whether that's sponsored content or whether it's events right. so i think that that was part of the challenge it was such a frontier industry like who knows how you make money out of it yeah. um so that was that was my early days mm-hmm. Luckily, I had some savings. What's the What's the online magazine you admire? Um, oh, God, that's so tangent. Gels is... I actually no, love no. vloggers. I don't read a lot of other magazines because um, I get worried that then the ideas aren't mine because if you read too many and then you're like, oh, I had a great idea for a feature and actually it's because you've read it okay. last week. So I don't read a huge, uh, a lot of others, but I watch a lot of vloggers. Yeah. My, I mean, my most successful blog was Mashable that started quite a while ago. Yeah. And he sold it for... Several hundred million or whatever it was. That's the that's, dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be us next year. Actually, that's, that's our exit I'll strategy. hold you to it. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Did you have a mentor when you first started? Um, not formally. Um, I've always admired people. Uh, you know, I, I, my career started in big corporates in the city, so there are always people in senior positions I would kind of admire and think, oh well, they're really, they're really great because everybody else is you know, very respectful of them. They're nice people. They seem to be getting things done and they're respected. So I I would informally go and ask them for advice. And that's always been the case throughout. Um, and funnily enough, throughout my career, the people I've admired have been women. And given it's International Women's Day, um, when I worked in, in the insurance company, uh, there was a very senior woman who was the first IT director on, on the board of a, of a big FTSE 100 company. Um, she then funded my business that failed. We became very good friends. You know, she was an informal mentor. Um, what I say to my mentees and, and people on the NEF program is, uh, getting a, a mentor early is invaluable. Mm. And, uh, we provide mentor, mentoring, uh, opportunities for the people who participate in the program. Um, I didn't actually have a formal mentor. I was sought out people I, I admired and then would ask them for a coffee. I think that's why the work that you're doing so great and so important is that it can be quite a challenge to find a mentor. I was always kind of hoping that someone would just come from above and, and show me the way, but it can be a real challenge in your industry to find someone to mentor mm. you. So providing more, more abilities for that is good. Mm. So how can people get involved with the New Entrepreneurs Foundation? So you have to apply. Okay. Um, it's a structured one-year program. If you're selected, excuse me, <clears throat> so we get up to a 1,000 applicants. Wow. Applications for, uh, we take about 40 candidates each year. Um, if you're selected, you get a one year paid placement working alongside a successful entrepreneur. Um, so you kind of see from the inside how somebody's growing a big business. 
that we put on 25 days of formal training on all aspects of starting a business, the financial aspects, you know, strategy, branding, marketing, getting your first customers, building a business plan, all the way through to pitching for your first investment. That's the kind of the program. Um, we then provide uh, an, uh, an executive coach for all our candidates, and we have a pool of about 100 business mentors who help you once you start on business. That sounds amazing. Sounds, sounds absolutely incredible. As this is our International Women's Day special, um, I'd just like to ask what you think we could be doing kind of socially, culturally in business to help more women get into entrepreneurship and what do you think the stumbling blocks are at the moment for women uh, getting into running their own business? Um, I think we, we certainly need more women in entrepreneurship. Uh, we had uh, we held a special event only on uh, Thursday night where we had 200 young women who want to be entrepreneurs came along to hear three successful women entrepreneurs talk about their lives. We have um, we go out of our way to um, try and attract more women onto the program. Around 35% of our cohort have been women each year, which is great, which is the highest for any kind of entrepreneurship startup program. Um, from the many, many women I've interviewed, there, there are kind of two or three things that, that are common that I notice. One is a lack of confidence. Um, and the average young woman going into entrepreneurship will be less confident than the average young man who's decided he's going to be in entrepreneurship. Um, so, you know, to provide confidence to women, to provide mentoring opportunities, to provide coaching, uh, and also to inspire them. Uh, there aren't very many women <clears throat> um, role models in entrepreneurship. There are many more now than there were five years ago. Um, but, you know, taking inspiration from women who've done it, um, uh, women who are kind of not that much older than oneself when you're starting out is, is really inspiring and encouraging them to apply on the same level field for programs like NEF for accelerators and incubators. And that's what I'm really passionate about is how can we get more women who are coming out of universities or people who want to change careers to say, yeah, I can do that. Mm. It's not just a, you know, a, a realm of men sitting in Shoreditch. It's, <laughs> Anyway, you know, women can do that. Those hipsters with beards who can do it. And double denim. <laughs> um, if people would like to apply for the programme and uh, find out more, uh, what's your website? Uh, it's www.newentrepreneursfoundation.com. Uh, applications are open for another five weeks um, and then they closed for this year. And we'll be selecting our cohort that will start in September. Fantastic. Well, thank Lovely. you so much for coming to speak My pleasure. To us. My pleasure. Thank you. This is the AT. The About Time Podcast. So, Giles, where have you been eating this week? Where have I been eating? Oh, well, I can't talk about Gales again because that's all I ever do. But big news on Gales. <gasps> the opening one in Camden. Literally that is round honestly the corner. The best. Alicia was like, I've got something that's going to excite you. She took me down the road, showed me the new Gales site. It's, I think it's made my life. I love because I can't get a good decaf soy latte anyway. Gales. <laughs> Problems. <laughs> and you do love their cheese cone. I do love the juice again. Um, I, where did I, I went to Dalesford this weekend because I was just feeling a bit schmancy. We went for a walk in Regent's Park. And we were like, where's nice? We'll go to Marlborough High Street and go to Dalesford. Um, God, it's so busy. It's quite pretentious. You know, it's all that kind of organic, grass-fed, organically reared stuff. Which yes. obviously makes quite, I, I imagine makes the meat taste good. But as a non-meat eater, um, you do definitely pay for it in Dalesford. But um, they do do one of the best tarts in London. 
What? That is tart, like a quiche tart? It's quiche. It's quiche, but I, I don't like them on the eggy side. And it was a blue cheese and broccoli one. And you get it with um, two salads, which you can choose from. And they have all the salads kind of laid out, otolengi style. And um, I had a quinoa one, which was tasty. And a kale one, which was kale It's very hard to disguise kale. It's just like... Kale. It's just kale. It was very kale It had some raisins in it, some apple. But I like the vibe in Dalesford. It makes me feel schmancy. <laughs> it just, I don't know. I, 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 think I feel it, like it comes with a... Uh, yeah, a certain, a certain look. There's yes. definitely a look. But there's also just a look on Marlborough High Street. Everyone's in those kind of long Sandra coats. They're wearing like dark sunglasses, even though it's not sunny, and beanies, mm. and studded black leather boots. And that's the kind of people that are in Dalesford. Um, but if you want something that feels a bit special, I do, I quite like it. I think for 14 quid for a quiche and two salads, it's not. I mean, it's not hungry. cheap. I then had to go to Rococo Chocolates afterwards and, um, get some chocolate. Just to top balance. Oh, yeah, hashtag balance. Um, the Rococo chocolates, worth noting, so good. Oh, did you have their hot chocolate? So they actually gave me a free chocolate shot while I was there, which was amazing. It's like just molten chocolatey goodness. And um, I had my favourite, which is the chilli truffle. Spicy. Ooh. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So yeah, I'd give Dalesford, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Is that bad? You're saying it through gritted teeth, but I, think- I know you mean it. I do mean it. I think Dalesford's nicer in the evening than it is um, for brunch. Like, I can make avocado on toast at home. I can make scrambled eggs. Like, I feel like when I go out for brunch and I pay for it, I want something that I genuinely couldn't make at home. Yeah. It's almost too simple for me. Fair. But, you know, if you want a tart. If you want to pay 14 quid for a quiche and two salads. Apparently their mac and cheese is amazing. So maybe go back for that. Cool. Where have you been, Lisa? Um, Went to Tea Room, which is... Uh, underneath Bun House in Soho. So if you go into Bun House, they do the most amazing, like char siu, pork buns, all the buns. But then downstairs, it's kind of this like subterranean, 1960s inspired Chinese cocktail den. Um, and they've just launched a new brunch menu. Sounds so London. Yeah, it really is. Actually, <laughs> the interior Chinese cocktail den. <laughs> yeah. Is it, yeah, the interior is cool. So bloody cool. Like neon sign. So I used to live in Hong Kong and brunch is really big in Hong Kong. And, you know, I, I had this, just the most amazing. They, they do this like peanut butter, cheese, French toast, which sounds ludicrous, but honestly, it's the best thing on, on the menu. And they do one at at Bun House and it is, it's stick to your ribs, you know, Mm. it's, but it's wonderful. Peanut butter and cheese. Yeah. It sounds like it shouldn't work, but does it? It so it works. It's really? a bit like bacon and maple syrup. It shouldn't work, but it does. And this is, and the cheese was like, so if you can imagine, it was like it melty. Was, yeah, it was like uh, bread, cheese, peanut butter, bread, and it was like fried with butter and that. Oh my god, it literally it's, sounds like something Elvis would eat. Yeah, it's so good. That would be my pick of the menu. And then you have more like traditional Chinese dishes, um, beef noodles. Um, and then they did like a chorizo hash, mm. um, Asian inspired, uh, with a fried egg and so mint. Very fusion heavy. Yeah. Cool. It's good. I mean, I went, it's, the menu's very meat heavy and I did go with my veggie pal. Um, and they were really good because they were like, you know what, you, you don't have to have the meat on this. You can like cross it off. Mm. And actually it's really fun because you get the menu and then you, you tick what, how, how much you want. Oh, that's cool. Like the quantity. That's fun. Um, it's really good. They, they did a, a soy and, and kaya butter toast, which actually wasn't that good. No. Uh, it was quite cold mm. and a little bit bland. Um, but. So it's a so kind of hit and miss with the dishes. 
there were some really good dishes that I'd be like, that I was like, this is, this is really good. And, you know, of course, with brunch, if you do want something different from your ex-Benedict or your avocado on toast, then I think you should definitely try it. Definitely go for the French toast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a really good um, chung fun, which is a type of noodle with a fried egg. And you can have that veggie or meaty with mince if you want. Um, and they do really good Bloody Marys that are not like the traditional I imagine unusual juice. cocktails is kind of their thing. Yes, mm. absolutely. There's a vibe. It's quite vibey. Yeah. I like it. Is it. Would it be good for a date? Yes. Dates, yes. <laughs> would you like someone to take you on a date there? Um, maybe. Are we off? International Women's Day. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. And I think that it feels a bit secret because you literally just go down a, a staircase and then it's there. Amazing. It's really nice. It's It's quite cool. Uh, you always go to the cool places and I'm just being like the ones that have been open forever that everyone knows about no but Dalsford <laughs> it's all about to be fair I have you know reviewed Ask Italian you've so. also been to Bills a lot this weekend love Bills <laughs> can't say a bad word about Bills apart from stop renovating that's all I'm saying <laughs> you don't go to Bills for white linen tablecloths don't go to the Covent Garden one because they are they have renovated it and they're trying to be quite schmancy and I'm like you don't go to Bills for schmance no you get the first sweet potato fries and a glass of savvy B. There you go. And actually the Bill's the Bill's House White, which is only four ninety five a glass, is a personal fave. I would recommend. Good to know. All right, thank you so much for tuning in this week, guys. Um we have been discussing all things women and also just other things like Bills. Bills and entrepreneurs. But also, what are we talking about next week? Can cocktails. We- cocktails. cocktails. We're getting boozy next week. We are getting boozy next We've week. We've got a good lineup of guests, actually. So um, tune back in next Monday and you'll hear all about cocktails. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Jolly Malin, at Alicia underscore Grimshaw, and at the underscore AT show. You've been listening to The AT the best things to do in London and beyond. Visit abouttimemagazine.co.uk or follow us at About Time Mag. This has been a candy store production for About Time Magazine, hosted by Angelica Malin and Alicia Grimshaw and produced by Van Connor. Spirit Body by Ketzer appears under Creative Commons 3.0. Visit ketzermusic.com for more, with recording facilities in partnership with Jova London. Head to jovalondon.com for more information.